This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse 51, found on page 86 of your New Testament in the Pew Bible. This is one of those hard conversations. We all experience them at some time or another, a conversation that needs to be had in which decisions are made. Things like, do you still love me? Will you stay with me? Those kinds of hard conversations. So let us read now from John's Gospel Chapter 6, beginning with verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate in heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, we ask that whatever's difficult for us to hear, you would, by your grace, woo us to not only hear but to believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know anyone who likes junk food? In his book, Salt, Sugar, Fat, Michael Moss describes how American food producers have perfected the science behind our craving for junk food. Big names like Campbell's Soup, Frito-Lay, General Foods, Kraft, they have hired Crave consultants, I kid you not, in order for us to reach a bliss point. For example, Frito-Lay employed 500 psychologists, chemists, and technicians to find the bliss point for Cheetos, which one scientist says is, quote, the most marvelously constructed food on the planet. Because it melts down quickly, Cheetos has what's known as a vanishing caloric density. Your brain thinks there are no calories in it. So you can keep eating until the bag is empty. So in writing his book, Moss found that many former executives of these companies completely avoid the food that they have been urging us to eat. Junk food versus real food. That's what our passage is about. And we're going to look at three points. The first, that Jesus describes himself as the best meal ever. And two, that many people take offense at him. And three, disciples must decide if Jesus is real food for them. So let's look at verse 51. Jesus describes himself as the best meal ever. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus gives himself as living bread. Living bread. Living. If something's living, it's not dead. It's got life. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not eat things that can move on my plate. Jesus is living. The nourishment he gives is himself. He says he's living bread. Bread then was a staple. Staple is an essential foundational part of the diet. If you are gluten-free, that's going to be soy or rice or corn. But it's a staple, essential. Jesus says he's essential for us to live. It's required. And the food he gives is his flesh, his body. No food on the planet is more nourishing. As you would expect, the people hearing this are offended, they push back. 
How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus responds by intensifying his claim. Verse 55, 53. Very truly I tell you, unless you very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless Jesus is taken into us like a meal, we do not have eternal life. What is he saying? Well, let's look at the word eternal life. It's a quality of life that is of God. It's God's quality of life. And it is enduring. It goes beyond time into eternity. It never ends. Jesus said unless his body, which is broken in his spilled blood, are received by us as the source of life itself, we will not live. Let me illustrate. The chief of pediatric cardiac hospital at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx, one of the premier hospitals in the world, is Dr. Samuel Weinstein. In 2006, Weinstein traveled with his team to El Salvador with the Heart Care International Outreach to provide much-needed heart surgery for those who were underserved. One day at noon, Weinstein and his team began an operation on eight-year-old Francesco. Twelve hours later, the procedure took a deadly turn. The surgery had been going well, but the boy was bleeding, and the medicines that normally staunch the bleeding were now expended. They were no longer available. The hospital was out of that boy's blood type. The hospital was out of that boy's blood type, B negative. Only 2% of the population have that blood type. The only known person with the same blood type was Dr. Weinstein himself. Knowing what he had to do, Dr. Weinstein stepped down from the operating table, set aside his scalpel, took off his gloves, and began washing his hands and forearm. And then in the corner of an unfamiliar operating room, the prestigious doctor from one of the most advanced hospitals in the world sat down to give away his own blood. When he had given a pint, Dr. Weinstein drank some bottled water, ate a Pop-Tart, and then rejoined his colleagues. He watched as his own blood began circulating into the small boy's veins. Unless Francesco received the blood, not live. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus is giving himself as a staple, the real food without which we cannot live. We receive this food by coming to Jesus, by believing in him, putting our trust in him. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper is an outward sign of the faith we have in him. Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Came 
down from heaven? Is Jesus extraterrestrial? Well, I guess you could say he is. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus declares, I am not of this world. What was purely spiritual became physical. Now, some would say, why? Why can't God just speak to the mind, impress upon the heart? Why can he speak from the clouds or from his prophets or priests or spiritual guides? Because God not only wants to talk with us, he wants to be with us and touch us. Two years ago, I was a frequent visitor to the Middleton House of Corrections. For those who know the drill, you go through a screening process before you're allowed to enter into a waiting room, which is under bright fluorescent lights and hard plastic chairs to sit in. And when the visitation chairs to sit in, and when the visitation hour approaches, visitors will file past a guard one at a time. Then you go through three security locks past a small exercise yard that's surrounded by 20-foot barbed wire, and then you get to the site where the prisoners are kept. Visitors are directed to sit in front of a bank of plate glass that's three plates thick with wire enmeshed in it. And the prisoner is on one side, the visitor on the other, and you pick up a phone and talk to the other. There are some who are not content just to talk. Young wives, little children against the glass, and the prisoner will place his hand next to theirs on the other side. Jesus came down so that God could come on the other side. God crossed the barrier to be with us in the prison cell. And that is what we read in John 1:14. The word became flesh. The second point. Many people take offense at Jesus. Verse 60. When the disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Verse 66, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. John tells us this was the moment of mass defection. Like voters walking away, so many choose to walk away. Well, Jesus declared he did come down from heaven. He is more than a human being, though he is a human being. In classical art, you see the two fingers raised together, the index and the third finger, showing the dual nature, fully God, fully human. Incarnation means God putting on human flesh. Carne is meat. Chili con carne is chili with meat. Incarnation is God putting on flesh and being with us, 
Jesus reveals what God is like. Some hearers could not accept that he was from heaven. It's the hearers could not accept that he was from heaven. It's the same today. Physicist Leonard Milotovno co-authored the book The Grand Design with late Stephen Hawking. And in an interview posted on YouTube, Milotovno chided, I find it very hard to see how people could believe in the Bible Science shows that God is not necessary to explain the universe. In the same interview, Milotino says, I do believe in aliens. I believe there is life on other planets. There is no evidence for that, but in my heart, for some reason, I find myself believing that. Milotino believes that aliens can come to earth in flesh. Many people have another reason for walking away from Jesus' words. Verse 60, they are difficult. That is, they're, they're scleros in Greek. Scleros means hard. If you have atherosclerosis, you have hardening of the arteries. Jesus' word is hard to accept because he limits our options, our preference for options. We prefer to hear that God gives extra credit to anyone who is sincerely trying their best in life. That is not what Jesus says. We prefer to hear that we can pay for our own missteps, that we are capable of living up to God's standards for who's good enough to live in heaven. That is not us to live in heaven. That is not what Jesus says. We, we prefer that Jesus gives us warm, fuzzy feelings and words. Well, if so, you are in luck because, I kid you not again, there is a Jesus plush doll that talks. You can purchase it for $15.95, it sports fuzzy dreadlocks and a satiny beard. And when you squeeze his red heart, he says, I love you. I have an exciting plan for your life. And your life matters so much to me. Neither of these is what the actual Jesus says. They are not verses from the Bible. Probably the primary reason people take offense at Jesus is that he speaks of suffering and danger and the cross. The beginning of, the beginning of John 6, we have 5,000 people who are hanging on every word and who want him to be their king. Toward the end of this chapter, only 12 are left. Why? He speaks of his sacrifice of his own body for the sake of the world his own body, so that they can have eternal life. Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote, If you have any knowledge at all of human nature, you know that those who only admire the truth will, when danger appears, become traitors. 
The admirer is infatuated with the false security of greatness. But if there is any inconvenience or trouble, he pulls back. Christ, however, never asks for admirers. He constantly spoke of followers and disciples. Which are you? An admirer of Jesus or a follower? The third point is disciples must decide if Jesus is real food for their life. Verses 67 and 68. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Every single human being is a believer in something or someone. And if you've noticed, many are starting to take something or someone has been insufficient to hold the weight of their worth. If you walk away from Jesus, where will you go? Will you go back to your former way of life? Life of excesses, drunkenness, drugs, sexual license, excessive work? Will you fill your life with these to give you meaning and ultimate purpose? What religion can you turn to? Mindfulness? Buddhism, teachings to calm your frayed nerves, Hinduism's pantheon of gods who require your sacrifice, Islam's rigorous duties that exclude you from grace and intimacy with God. Jesus says, look around. Is there a more credible in world history than Jesus of Nazareth? Test the alternatives. Are they real food or junk food? Peter replies, to whom else shall we go? In other words, the alternatives are not looking that good. You alone have the words of eternal life. So disciples must decide one thing. Is Jesus God giving the food for eternal life? I close with this. T.F. Torrance was a great 20th century Christian scholar. Before that, he was an army chaplain in World War II. In the heat of battle, he came across a young soldier at the point of death. As he knelt down and bent over him, the soldier said, Padre, is God really down and bent over him? The soldier said, Padre, is God really like Jesus? Torrance assured him he was, the only God there is, the God who has come in Jesus and shown his face to us and poured out his love to us as our Savior. The soldier believed and received eternal life before he passed away. Junk food or real food? To whom Will you go?
We come now to uh, prayers. And I would invite Lord Jesus, again, you come to us with such humility and you respect our ability to choose. You lay before us your very life and you lay it down in order that you may take it up again in glory and bring us with you. And so we pray with thanksgiving for all who have received and known and can testify that it's true. There's more life, more confidence. Ashes are now turned to a crown, and we do have confident joy. And for those, Lord, who have never made a decision because it is the first time they've heard or they've never known they had to decide, or they had to decide, we pray that you would, in your tenderness, enter into the life that they're living and show yourself in your glory that they may know that you are the living bread. And for those, Lord, who resist, who are not ready, who are still trying other options, we pray that in your mercy you would watch over them as they continue there. We are people who can pray to you about anything. And so we pray for those who are needy in our congregation. We're mindful of Bob True and Pat Brown. We're mindful of Margie Casper and the sudden surgery required this week. We're mindful of those who have chronic illnesses that do not, they will get better, but they are living with it. We ask that you would be the strength. You do have healing power. You do have a future. And we pray that all that you want to give would be received by these dear souls that we love. We pray, O oh Lord, for the work that is ahead of us in the commemoration and the life and legacy of George Whitfield and those who will be coming from around the world and through this region. We ask that we may love well, serve diligently, and that we may be wise stewards of a message that does affect our current society. We ask for the grace, Lord, for this. And we pray, O oh Lord, are in great trouble. And those who are making decisions. And those who are dim and light for the way. So we ask that you would give that. Thank you that you hear our prayers, which are made in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.